Now, we're not going to be about, you know, slogans and all this, whatever it may, it may be. Um, the best player going to play, you know, the toughest dude going to play, and uh, ain't no fluff. How bad is number two on it? Calvin Ridley for six. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons related and the official Atlanta Falcons podcast of the Fansided Network. My name is Jesse Head, host of the show, and for this episode, we're going to be getting into the state of the offensive line, which has been a hot topic. Uh, since this past Friday in our first preseason game against the Tennessee Titans where our offensive line went out there and absolutely shit the bed. And additionally, Jalen Mayfield, who's been uh, competing for that right tackle spot. I don't know if he's been truly competing. I've kind of thought that it's always been Caleb McGarry's role. But he's been moved over to that left guard battle with Drew Dahlman and Josh Andrews, especially after, after the performance that Josh Andrews put forth. Uh, in our first preseason game. We'll also be getting into a few listener questions. I've got a couple over the past couple weeks um, that I thought were really good, and then I put out a post today once I decided that I wanted to do a couple of these listener questions and got a few more good ones as well. So we will do a portion on this episode of those listener questions that came through that I thought were pretty solid. As far as Falcons news out there right now, uh, the Falcons have headed down to Miami For a couple days of joint practices um, as they prepare for their second preseason game this Saturday night against the Miami Dolphins, which I think we're going to see a lot of um, now, a lot more joint practices now that they drop down to from four to three preseason games. Um, A lot of questions around how much of playing time we'll see from our starters, um, which is, is rightfully so. I think that we're going to start moving in the direction of these joint practices being the time where we they really lock in on getting the starters out there and finding out um, what we have with those guys. And the reason I think that is because it's an opportunity for them to run their true offenses, defenses, put those play calls out there that they normally would not want to put on film. Um, I think that's the direction that the NFL is going to start moving with this preseason is using those those joint practices for that instead of using that second or third preseason game that they would normally use to uh, get a good look at their starters and stuff like that while additionally holding back on their playbook because they don't want to put too much on film. So um, I think that will be interesting. You know, there was a lot of thought that this this Saturday in the second preseason game, we'd see one, two quarters of our starters, which I just do not think is going to be the case. I think we'll see maybe two, three series out of them this Saturday, and then that last preseason game will be obviously used uh, to find out you know, who we want to, to bring on to our 53-man roster. Obviously, in that last week uh, before the season, you have to cut your roster down from 80 to 53, um, and I think they'll use that for that time period, finding out who you want to truly keep on this roster. Usually, you've got about, you know, truly you have about 10 roster spots actually open for the guys that you know you that you're unsure if you want to put on the roster or not, and you've got those other you know 
position 43 locked up for guys that you know you're going to put on this roster, for the guys you know that are veterans that can, can can do it at this level, and then the guys that you drafted, of course. So I think that last game will be used for that. But um, several guys that will be wondering who's going to make this roster or not are on this offensive line, man. So let's get into that. We all hate when we lose our balls in the rough on the golf course. Well, imagine how your girl feels with all those pubes around your pearls. It's a bad look, bro. She does not like it no matter how much she pretends she's okay with it. That's why I'm telling you about Manscaped.com. You've seen the ads and the commercials before. They are the top provider for all your trimming needs to make sure you never nick those pearls down below. They've got a brand new lawnmower 4.0 made specifically for a comfortable trim. This is top of the line stuff, guys. Get the performance package, and I can get you 20% off and free shipping using the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll get their lawnmower 4.0, weed whacker for those annoying ear and nose hairs that you get, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxers, and you're going to get a travel bag uh, to hold all the ball stuff that you've got there in. Now, you're only going to get this deal here at the Heads Up Falcons podcast. So go to manscaped.com, use that code I told you about, FANSIDED20, for 20% off and free shipping. All right, guys, so on to the offensive line here. So we'll jump right into the Jalen Mayfield thing. So Jalen Mayfield was moved from right tackle over to that left guard role. There's a huge part of me that thinks that he was all it was the plan was always to have him in the competition for the left guard role, but since Caleb McGarry was out, they wanted to get a good look um, or take that opportunity to get a good look at Jalen Mayfield and allow him to get that experience. And then they went to the preseason game to see how Josh Andrews would do, knowing that Caleb McGarry wouldn't play, they'd put Jalen Mayfield at the right tackle role. And then after they saw how Josh Andrews performed, they said, okay, we're definitely going to move uh, Jalen Mayfield over to that competition. And I think at this point, he's probably the lead dog for the race. I haven't heard a lot about Drew Dahlman and how he's been performing. I'm starting to think that he's going to be that reserve offensive lineman guy because the history of the depth issues that we've had across the offensive line. Um, so I, I'm I'm unsure on him and exactly what his role is going to be, but I think it it is I think what it really is going to be for him is he's going to be that reserve offensive lineman guy specifically for the interior lineman roles. If something happened to Hennessy or Chris Lindstrom. Um, or, you know, if Jalen Mayfield wins that role at left guard, him or Josh Andrews or whatever it's going to be. Um, but that's where my thoughts are initially on this entire, from, you know, on this Jalen Mayfield thing and him being moved around and all the different things like that. So I've got the depth chart pulled up here. Um, left tackle, obviously, Jake Matthews. He's been rock solid. I don't think he's been you know, a superstar or anything like that, but he's been a consistent guy that we know shows up and can plays, you know, kind of like a Matt Ryan. You know, at the end of the day, when you look at this offensive line, there's one spot you don't have to worry about, and that's the left tackle spot in Jake Matthews, which is the most important position on the offensive line. Behind him, you've got Jason Spriggs, who did not perform well in the preseason game, but depth guy, um, I think he's someone that probably makes this roster for sure, um, and he's the backup for our tackle roles 
um, as we uh, go into the season. Left guard on the depth chart right now is Josh Andrews leading that. I, like I said before, Jalen Mayfield moves over to that competition battle behind Josh Andrews on the depth chart is Sam Sam Jones um, and then Ryan Newzill. At center spot, you've got Matt Hennessy, which they've put all the chips in on Matt Hennessy being that guy at center, and they feel confident that he can step into that leadership role. When you look at how he's performing in the uh, the training camp, he has taken on that leadership role. He's like I, I, t- man, I talked about this on previous episode, but he's really kind of taken on that that task of being the guy that's you know as a center should, but yelling out, pointing out things, calling out the defense, different things like that. He's he looks confident, he looks comfortable, which is extremely important. As he goes into the season, it was mentored by a guy like an Alex Mack and stuff. So I feel confident that the center role is locked up there, and that's not a position that I'm worried about. When we look across this offensive line, I'll tell you once we go through all this, but I'll tell you where I'm uncomfortable and where I'm not. Back up uh, to him on the depth chart is Drew Dahlman, and then behind him is Joel Skullthrop. haven't heard much about him. Definitely a camp body, camp body. probably not going to make the team. At right guard, Chris Lindstrom, he's been great um, since we drafted him. Chris Lindstrom has been our guy. We Everybody feels comfortable about him. Again, when you look at this line, he's one guy that you don't worry about when you go into the season. He's a guy that always shows up. You feel confident in his abilities, and he's put forth on the field. I mean, he's had a couple moments here and there, but ultimately he's a, you know, he's a guy that keeps improving, and he's got a high ceiling. Um, he's a future Pro Bowler every single year, I believe. And uh, you know, Chris Lynch, he's just been incredible out there. Uh, behind him, you have Willie Wright. And then at right tackle, what's listed on the at first on the depth chart is Willie Beavers, which is a bold face lie. Absolute lie. Then you've got Caleb McGarry and Jalen Mayfield. I think Caleb McGarry moves up to start at that right tackle spot by game one of the season. Willie Beavers goes back to the to the second spot, and then Jason Spriggs and somebody else will become a person that's that you know third uh, you know backup, if you will, to if, if these guys go down, right? Um, and then again, Jalen Mayfield goes over to the left guard spot. So you've got all that across the offensive line. Now I've got the tight end listed here as well, the tight end spot. And there's two lists here. You've got your kind of receiver types. If you go and look at the um, depth chart, you've got a tight ends listed. You've got Kyle Pitts. You've got um, behind him, you've got Hayden Hurst listed as a second string. And then you've got John Rain listed behind him. And then here on the other tight end spot on the depth chart, you've got Lee Smith, Parker Hesse, and Ryan Becker. This looks like it's broken up into roles that they would play on this team. Looks like receiver types and the guys that are going to be predominantly blockers. And that's why I've listed them here in this group. Lee Smith, is he's an additional offensive lineman. And then behind him is Parker Hesse and then Ryan Becker. Okay. Look across this offensive line. It looks ex- From a depth standpoint, it's extremely concerning. Okay. So if we start having injuries down there, that's when I go into freakout mode, which is a reasonable thing for anybody to feel going into the season. But from a starting standpoint, I'm not like super freaked out about the offensive line because I've 
you know, a lot of people have their major doubts about Caleb McGarry. I feel pretty good about him. I mean, he has a high ceiling. He's had some rough patches over the past couple years, but ultimately I think Caleb McGarry is a solid player um, that has been decent at the right tackle role, and I think he can get better than what he has been. And then at right guard, Chris Lindstrom, like I said before, extremely confident in him. Matt Hennessy, the way this coaching staff has been about competition and if you're going to earn your spot on this team, if he's if they feel that confident about him, he I, that makes me feel like he can perform and he's the man for the job uh, because they have been given no exceptions to anybody uh, on this roster or who your name is or what your history is in the NFL um, as far as all this goes. So if Matt Hennessy's up there, then I feel confident that he's the guy. The left guard spot is obviously big question mark on it. And then the left tackle spot, Jake Matthews. So really, when you look across this offensive line, you've got a right tackle. There's only two spots here that have question marks on them. It's the right tackle spot with Caleb McGarry, which we feel, or I feel confident that he is, excuse me, he is a guy that can be a person that can be a decent starter in the NFL, which is good enough for me if you've got several guys that can that can outperform most people across from them. And then you've got the other spot, the left guard spot, which is the true question mark. Now, you look across the NFL, there's not many teams that you look across their offensive line and everybody is, you know, locked up and they're great and you don't have to worry about anything. The most important thing about an offensive line is being able to find cohesiveness across the offensive line. And if one spot's a little bit of or is a big question mark, you can live with that in the NFL and be successful. There's a lot of teams that have that situation going on here or worse. Um, so that's the most important thing across this offensive line is finding that cohesiveness. And you've got a tight, you know, a, a coach that is a true tight end mindset, you know, at mind. <laughs> and I feel confident that he can get these guys on the same page. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen in the first season, but I think it's going to look better than it did last year. Now, that preseason game, you had, you know, second, third guys that – some these are not guys that are going to be going into our first game with, okay? So I understand the, the, the concern and everything like that, but at the end of the day – you know, half of our starters didn't. I mean, we didn't even have like Alamad Zacchaeus out there, and a guy that I don't feel like has not even truly earned his, you know, earned his spot quite yet. So there was a lot. I mean, you didn't have several of the guys that we had. Deron Harmon. You didn't have Eric Harris out there. You didn't have a lot of dudes out there that I was like, I'm shocked that these guys are not playing. So I know there's a lot of concern out there with this, but again, a lot of a lot of backups out there that we're not going to see in the regular season unless. You know, injuries start happening like crazy. Now, as far as the things that Arthur Smith does, again, he's already an offensive-minded coach, tight end-minded coach. He understands blocking. He understands what it takes to get everybody, how important it is to get everybody on the same page. He can think like these guys. He can talk like these guys. I truly think it's a, it's an area of concern, but it's not as big as everyone is making it out to be with what we have from a starting standpoint. Now, injuries start out, that's a different situation. But you got to understand this, too. This is a zone blocking scheme, okay? 
So if you have one weak point, one like true weak like true weak point on your offensive line, like the left guard role, the zone blocking scheme is is really designed for a lot of double team action. Okay, so he's going to have assistance from guys like a Jake Matthews or guys like a Matt Hennessy um, and stuff like that. So the zone blocking scheme allows for a lot of assistance towards your guard. Specifically, you know, depends on how the defensive line is lined up currently right now or cur- currently during the game at that time and where those guards are. But if, if he is a point of attack, you've got a center in Matt Hennessy that can also lean over there and help him, okay? So you also have the play action, which is a huge benefit for, for offensive linemen as well in how the blitzers decide to attack their you know points of attack and different things like that. And in 2019, Arthur Smith called 43% play action uh, for his quarterback on his dropbacks. I think it was Marcus, Marcus Mariotti and Ryan Tannehill. I think it was a little bit of both that season. Or I think it was all Ryan Tannehill, whatever. Either way, it was 43% play action. So you're going to see a ton of play action because that geared towards helping out the offensive line and additionally you know, helping out Matt Ryan and rolling him out of the pocket and different things like that. So that's going to help him as well. And then there's a reason that I mentioned the tight ends as well. It, it, with Lee Smith, Parker Hesse, and these guys that are going to – they're not going to – these are not your receiver types. When you see them in there, odds are they're not running a route. Okay, these guys are in there to be extra blockers for the pass, to provide protection for Matt Ryan, and extra blockers for the run. So you're going to see a lot of help from them as well. So I don't think our offensive line from a starting standpoint is the end of the world. I don't think it's the end I'll be all now. Them performing is extremely important, but I think they're going to be capable out there. I think this is a group of guys that if you if, if they get into become a cohesive unit, I think that they can be something successful. So I wanted to address this because of all the major freakout and concern. And man, I'm a, I'm an op, I'm an optimistic podcast guy. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to shit on the whole world. If, if, now, if it's the end of the world, I'll fucking tell you. Okay, if Jake Matthews and Matt Hennessy go down, I'm gonna come on this podcast freaking the fuck out. But it ain't one of those things. Okay, I'm not gonna think like that before the season starts. I'm looking at my starting guys and what these guys are capable of if they become a cohesive unit. And this this is a decent squad. This is we have no other we have no reason to think that they won't be a decent squad. With Chris Lindstrom and the performance he's given, Matt Hennessy's promise, Jake Matthews, and then Caleb McGarry with the upside that he has and what he's capable of. I mean, I, I'm just not going to sit here and freak out, especially with the type of offense that Arthur Smith runs. So I wanted to talk about this. I want to talk about the state of the offensive line. It's a little bit of a concern, but it's not as big of a deal as everybody is making after one preseason game. Next up, let's get into these listener questions from our loyal listeners out there. Guys, thank you so much. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. First question comes from Jaden out of Stockbridge, Georgia. Was Kyle Pitts the right move at four in the draft? Now, Jaden is a loyal listener, one of the loyal listeners that sent in a question. And I know what you're trying to do, Jaden. You're trying to get me on my Matt Ryan kick, okay? And you're going to be successful because the first thing here is that the reason we drafted Kyle Pitts, besides him being a freak of nature and generational talent like no one's seen in forever, okay, uh, we're completely tied to Matt Ryan, okay? 
whether people like it or not, we, we can jump into a debate on his abilities and everything, which if you wanted to get into that debate, you would lose uh, because he certainly has the ability, statistics, and the skill set to win a Super Bowl. Um, but outside of that, we're completely tied to him contract-wise. We're already a salary-strapped team, okay? And on top of that, you you bring in a quarterback that's going to sit for what you would likely need to do for two years, okay? And Matt Ryan is a capable guy that they feel like can win. In a league where quarterbacks are – their careers are getting longer and longer and longer as the NFL takes care, care of them, as modern science advances, these guys are playing longer and longer and longer, especially a quarterback like a Matt Ryan – who is not a scrambler, a guy that sits in the pocket and plays his game from there. Um, so when people want to say that we should have drafted a Justin Fields and everything, you're not understanding the business side of this game. I understand he's exciting, he's the guy, but also understand this. And, and for those out there that hate Matt Ryan, okay, I'm going to give you a little something here. If Matt Ryan, if you're right and Matt Ryan is not successful – and we go, we're one of the top five picks next year. You get your wish. We're going to get to draft a quarterback then. So, and additionally, we don't waste a year's worth of you know time, dra- or a, a, dra- a draft pick, putting a quarterback in there to sit behind Matt Ryan for two years. So, at the end of the day, you win. So, just fucking relax, man. Get over it, okay? This, this is the, be- the best thing for us to do was snag – this once-in-a-lifetime generational talent versus going out there and getting, you know, a quarterback that's going to that's going to sit there when we can do this another year. Quarter, great quarterbacks they they come around every single draft. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get an opportunity whether it's in 2022 or 2023 or whatever it's going to be. We're going to find that that opportunity will come to us. Okay, but right now we've got a guy that's six foot six, 245 pounds running a 40 time faster than a lot of cornerbacks and safeties out there at 4444 or a 444 and then we have a guy who this this guy Kyle Pitts has a wingspan of 83 and 38 length, which is the longest wingspan that's been measured by any wide receiver or tight end in the last 20 years the average of an NFL wide receiver or tight end being 75 and a half inches this is not a traditional tight end we did a lot of people. We took a tight end over getting a generational, you know, quarterback in Ju- in Justin Fields. This is this is not a this is not a g- traditional tight end. This is a guy that can that can line up anywhere. He's not just going to be in three point stance. He can do anything. You can put him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can put him anywhere you want to put him. And the dude's going to make plays. And whoever's lined up against him is going to be a mismatch. You bring him inside, he's going against the linebacker. He's too fast for him. You put him on the outside, he's going against the cornerback. He's too big for him. He's Darren Waller. And everybody in in the NFL right now wants a Darren Waller on their team. And they trade most guys on their team for a Darren Waller. So this is who that is. So that whole question mark of who's going to, you know, if we should have, Drafted a quarterback versus the the contract, and then the opportunity of getting a generational talent and Kyle Pitts is too much to pass up. Next question. This comes from Winston out of Richmond, Virginia. What do you think about the big nickel safety combinations that are to come in the 2021 season? Real excited about this, man. Um, talked a little bit about this on some previous episodes. 
uh, but very excited. You know, with Deron Harmon and Eric Harris, Richie Grant, and now Jalen Hawkins after that preseason game, the the complementing skill sets that they each have are going to fit perfectly in Dean Pease's scheme. You've got Deron Harmon, who's a guy that can play that deep cover one zone. Uh, he can play that deep zone you know, you know, type thing that is asked of him, a roaming type safety. And then you've got Eric Harris, who is probably going to end up being the other guy when they go cover two. Uh, mainly, he's going to be that other guy that can drop back because he can do a little bit of both. I think he's more his skill sets more fit for playing inside the box and playing at the you know ten yard marker, if you will, on a, a first down or something like that, or excuse me, a first and ten or something like that. And then you've got you know Richie Grant and you've got Jalen Hawkins who can do a little bit of everything. They can slide down in the box. They can play deep. They can play in the slot, which is going to be asked of them a lot. And so you've got two kind of traditional type safeties, and then you've got the two new school type guys that can do a little bit of everything. And I'm real excited about that. I think that as we go into this season, that's going to be a surprising spot. I think the bigger week, the bigger issues are going to come from the cornerback roles when we have uh, a traditional nickel package in there and we've got you know three corners in with Fabian Morova there and then whoever's going to take on that slot corner role but from a, a big nickel standpoint I'm pretty excited about that package not that Jalen Hawkins and uh, Richie Grant are going to be shut down you know type defensive backs or anything like that but what we can call when they're in there and the surprise that's going to come with them is what really excites me um with Richie Grant you can do a lot of different things with him you can blitz him you can put him in man-to-man you can put him in zone and I think the surprise of what you can do with him and Jalen Hawkins very similar to Richie is what uh I'm excited about from a defensive standpoint as far as that big nickel goes so that's a good question um as things develop throughout this season, that might be a solid episode to cover if we start seeing a lot of that. Is digging into the numbers and how, um, what and what those guys are doing and, and ha- why it's being successful um, and different things like that. What the play calls are that we're doing while those guys are in there and breaking all that down. So that's a really good question, but I'm super excited about that, man. And that's something that I haven't uh, thought about a lot. So uh, really, really good question. Next question is um, from Falcons underscore drip Instagram. Uh, it's a, obviously a, a Falcons based Instagram account. Um, are you excited um, about our starting inside linebackers as much as I am? And the answer to that question is absolutely. This is definitely the strongest point on our defense from a positional group standpoint. Um, with Foise Alua can move into that Mike linebacker role, that middle linebacker role, and Deion Jones move into that weak side linebacker role, um, the Will role, they're going to be extremely um, dynamic. Uh, they're going to cause a lot of havoc out there with what they bring uh, to the table. You know, I di- I talked about this when on the episode where I discussed. Uh, Deion Jones moving to that weak side linebacker role and Foise moving to that middle linebacker role and what their skill sets are. And and not that, that 
Foise Oluwakin is a better linebacker than Deion Jones, but his skill set, I think, is more fitting for that. And I think Deion Jones is going to be more successful in that weak side linebacker role in the sense that Foise is a little bit better at fighting, fighting inside the trenches, fighting off blocks and stuff like that inside the trenches. And Deion Jones is more successful when it comes to sideline to sideline uh, type plays and covering uh, you know tight ends and running backs. The weak side linebacker's main role is covering running backs. And with his ability, the speed that he has and the ability to cover man-to-man and zone, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to do the things that he does best, um, which is going after the ball. Uh, I think we're going to see him involved with more picks this year. We're going to see him involved more with blitzes. Um, and he's going to be extremely successful at that role. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, our inside linebackers and what they bring to the table. And, not, and, and also on top of that, you know, since we're in the training camp uh, uh, portion right now, the depth there is pretty strong as well. You've got Michael Walker, uh, who had a hell of a preseason game, and he's brought a lot to the table. A lot of people uh, have been raving about what he's done, and the coaches have been raving about what he's been doing. But also, Dorian Etheridge and uh, Earl Thompson are both having extremely good camps, and they're both uh, had a really good preseason game. Specifically, Dorian Etheridge had a hell of a game um, in his first preseason game. So not only do we have two solid starters at inside linebacker, but the depth there is very strong. That is probably the best positional group uh, on this team. Next question comes from Matt out of Pittsburgh. This is a two-parter here. He broke the rules, but I'm going to ride with it here. Uh, Do you think the Falcons can finally get past 28 sacks in a season for once? Um, I do, and not to burst your bubble or anything because it's a really good question, but they did have 29 last year. So I think the best question is this. Can they get past 30? And my answer to that is going to be, if if I was a betting man, I'm I'm, I'm taking that. I think that they can get past 30 sacks this year, especially with Dean Pease calling this defense. You know, I think that it's going to be a weird season from a defensive standpoint. We're going to get more, I think we're going to get more pressure and more sacks than we've normally seen in previous years, so I think it'll be 30-plus. But I think we're also going to see more big plays on us, okay? So I think it's going to be kind of a, it's going to be a a, a double-edged sword here because the defense that Dean Pease runs is geared towards being aggressive and risky, and when you, as anyone out there knows, when you take a high-risk blitz or the different things that we're going to do, there's also points of attack that are going to come with that. And we're going to see a lot of that in this season. So I think we'll get past that 30 mark. But on the opposite of that, we're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of big plays that, that go over us because we, you know, we do have some young talent on the team. We've got some, some guys that haven't started a lot. And um, there's going to be some moments where – uh, that blit, the blitz that we do, the risky play calling, the um, aggressive style of play calling that Dean Pease brings, 
um, it's going to uh, we're going to see those big plays happen here and there. The other question that he had is, and how do you think Arthur Smith will uh, work with Quadre Ellison? That's a good question um, because you know I've mentioned this. Before, I think that Mike Davis is going to get the heavy end of the loads. I also think that we're going to see Cordero Patterson lined up back there a lot as well, especially on outside zone runs and things like that. Quadre Olison needs to I, – I, I haven't heard a tremendous a lot – not a lot of buzz coming out of Cattle. I don't think he's doing bad or anything like that. And it could be – know that he's not getting a ton of playing time because they have plans for him and they don't want him to get hurt and we'll find out a lot about his plans and what's in store for him um but when we get into you know after this week of them having their practices with the Miami Dolphins and additionally after this preseason game uh, if this is the game that they decide to start to put the starters in and see what they're going to do with them um See if he gets into that rotation. If he doesn't get in that rotation, I think that this is, he's going to be that reserve guy for us mainly. But definitely, we're going to see him get in there during the season, you know, for sure, for certain you know things and whatever they're trying to do and whatnot. Um, but whatever those things are, I think they're very similar to you know what they're going to do with Mike Davis. Uh, Quadre Ellison's a big, you know, a big, uh, a big guy that can, you know, hit the hole. He can carry, he can carry, you know, break tackles. He can carry runner or um, tacklers with him. He's a very similar, you know, skill set. He's a little, he's bigger, obviously, but similar skill set to, um, you know, Mike Davis. Um, he can receive as well uh, out of the backfield. So, I think it's similar in how they're gonna in in how he's gonna use him. You know, with with Mike Davis and the skill set that he has. So, uh, I think really my answer to that is we've got to find out what you know what they're gonna do in these next couple week in these next couple weeks and um, you know how they're using him there. And then we can find out a little bit more about what the plans are for him. But uh, that wraps up some of the the good listener questions, uh, listener questions that came in. Um, so, um, guys, man, the offensive line. We covered the offensive line. We talked a little bit about Kyle Pitts, Matt Ryan. We touched on a little bit of everything. So this was a solid episode. guys that's a wrap on this episode of the heads up podcast make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on if you're on apple make sure you leave a five-star written review it helps out the podcast a ton you can find me on social media on twitter at heads up falcons you can find me on instagram at atlanta falcons podcast Make sure you follow me. Hit me up, man. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you want to hear on the next episodes, and I'll be sure to make sure that I feature some of the topics that you send my way. A big shout-out to my producer. Thanks for all the hard work and editing that you put in on the podcast. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.